0: All right, you guys hear me all right? Did do a mic check before, so you never know what you're going to get. Well, for me, let me just say welcome back. Uh, it's good to be back again. Yeah, some of you I haven't seen in a while. Some of you seem new, so it's, it's exciting. Uh, it feels a bit full in here, nice and cozy. It's our first service of 2023, even though it's kind of already halfway through January. Uh, and I do hope that you all had a blessed uh, holiday and a good kind of transition into the new year or a good slide, if you will, into the new year. And I know for a lot of us here today, maybe maybe not all of us, but at least I know for me and some of us here, uh, a new year can kind of put us in this state of mind of maybe reflecting on the last year. Maybe you're kind of asking yourself those questions of like, what did I do last year? What did I do with my time? And what did I achieve? And maybe... Or what did I fail at compared to what my goals were at the beginning of the year? And what can I do better this year, right? What can I do better? How can I set off on a good start, right? We kind of have that mindset of of goals and New Year's resolutions. It's a time for setting goals and making those resolutions for ourselves. And uh, hopefully with that idea of I want to do better this year. I want to do better than I did last year. And I want to talk a little bit about that uh, because it seems to be something that I think can be in our mindset at this time of year. But I don't want to just talk about resolutions in the sense of, you know, exercising more or maybe eating healthier. Although I certainly feel I need to eat a little healthier after the holiday, gain some kilos. Uh, or, you know, reading more, I want to watch less TV. Those are all good things, and if you have those, uh, you know, good, that's good. Uh, I I think it's a good thing to set uh, goals for yourself throughout the year. Uh, But I want to talk about something more than that. In fact, I want to invite you into something deeper than that, something greater than that, and something that I hope will last longer than that. Because if we're being really honest with ourselves, and we maybe look at last year, uh, those New Year's resolutions, like how many of us really were... You know, it starts to fall apart already like sometimes in February. Well, I don't have to eat healthy every day or uh, I don't have to work out every day or whatever it might be. So I want to invite you to join with me in setting a new resolution that goes beyond just this week or this month or even this year and extends for all of our remaining days to our last breath this is the resolution i've been setting for myself in my life and uh, if you talked with me this week you probably heard me talk about this it's something that i've kind of been kind of mulling over in my mind and in my heart and so i want to invite you to be a part of part of this with me but not just for me personally but also something i see for us as a service here in this ministry of church at 5 and it's about fighting the good fight fighting the good fight and finishing the race and reaching the end, having kept the faith. That's what I want us to have in our hearts as we set forward into this new year, to live faithfully for Christ and his word and to live in the victory that we have over sin because of what Christ has done for us when it comes to the temptations that we will face in the coming year and years. And to look ahead, not just this year, but to look farther beyond this life to look ahead and have our hope and our excitement in what's to come as we press onward in this journey with the Lord, knowing what awaits us, knowing the reward that we're aiming for. As Paul writes this to Timothy that we read, uh, he knows that he's reaching the end of his life. Right, he's reaching the end of his life, and he knows that he doesn't have many days left. And I think it's important for us to take that into consideration because there's a certain wisdom in somebody who's reaching the end of their life and what they have to offer as they look back on their days. And in Second Timothy four verse six, he says, "For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come." Right, so he knows it's getting close. He knows the days are drawing to an end, and that's something we don't really like to think much about, especially at the beginning of a year when things are kind of maybe new, but we all have a point where our life will end. Our days are numbered, and the reality is we are all going to be poured out. We're all going to be poured out, Right? There's going to be a point where we're spent. There's nothing left. Everything that's in us and our days have been poured out. They've been spent. There's nothing left. But not all of us are going to be poured out as an offering. Not all of us are going to be poured out as an offering, something pleasing to the Lord. The image that Paul uses here is an Old Testament image. It was one of the forms of offering, a drink offering. And he's reaching the end of his days, his last days of being poured out, and he's able to reflect on his days, on his actions, on his choices, on his journey with the Lord, and to see it as an offering that is pleasing to the Lord. Paul brought glory to God as he lived his life as an offering to God. That's a good resolution to make. That's a good aim to have in our life. As we look ahead and so I ask and I ask myself this and I've been asking myself and I ask you what what about you what are you being poured out for what do you spend your time on what do you give your money to your energy to your talents to what consumes your thoughts what do you invest in for what or for whom are you being poured out And I would take it to another level, another perspective, because the way that it's actually worded here is, I am already being poured out. So he takes himself out. And so then I would ask, well, by whom are you being poured out? By whom are you being poured out? Is it you or something else? As we begin a new year, I want to encourage all of us to resolve in ourselves To surrender ourselves completely to the Lord. Not just for the week, not just for the month, not just as a, all right, I'm gonna change this and this, but something that begins in the inside and then reflects outwardly. Resolve on the inside to surrender yourself to the Lord, completely to the Lord. To surrender to the one who paid for you in blood, Jesus Christ. Having him at that center of surrender. Let us resolve to live for him every day with every ounce of who we are, not just giving him a portion, not just giving him the leftovers of our time, of our week, of our energy, of our money, but having him be that root and that motivation in all things so that as he leads us through the Holy Spirit, he would be the one who pours out our life for his glory. That he would pour out our life for his glory. That we will not live for ourselves, but to do everything by his will and to the glory of God. That's a good place to start when we begin a new year. I want each of us to be ignited a little bit, to have maybe a a spark kind of begin to turn into flame in our hearts to encourage us as we start this year to set out on the right path to resolve in our hearts to reach the end of our days to reach the end of our days saying I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith but to get there we have to start where we are with our surrender now, the good fight is a, it's a, it sounds nice. What does it mean, good fight? Fight the good fight. Well, without unpacking too much here, as uh, I don't want to go too long, I, I would say let's just shorten it to this simple definition, this simple understanding of what the good fight is. It's the gospel mission. It's the gospel mission given to all those who follow Jesus. When we follow him, we have been given a task. The gospel mission. And what does that look like? Well, it's the good fight of living by the truth of the gospel. Of living by the truth of the gospel, even when the world rejects it. Even when the world says, that's crazy, that's stupid what you believe. It's stupid for you to to live your life that way. It's fighting the good fight to say, no, I will continue on the path Living by the truth of the gospel, that I have been set free from sin, that I have a Savior who died for me. It's fighting to see the gospel proclaimed to the nations. Not having this great truth to hold on to yourself, but having an excitement to share it with the world. Going into the world and making disciples of the nations as we're called to do as believers. This is the good fight. We can definitely see Paul having lived this out. It's living as Christ lived and representing him as the light of the world amidst the darkness that surrounds us. Not everybody's gonna go out and be a missionary, but you can be the light of the world where you are right now. This is a good fight, and it is a fight, and it is a fight. And there's nothing of higher value than to be poured out for the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing of higher value than this, and it's a fight, but it's a good fight, and it's a fight worth fighting. But what do we do? What do we do when we fall short? Number one, we keep going. We keep going. And today I wanna give just a few principles, just a few guidelines here, things to be considering when we're trying to keep going. to help us to fight the good fight, to endure to the end, pressing onward and upward, running the race as one who wants to receive the prize. And let's remind ourselves what Paul says here as he's looking at, this is again, from the end of his life in verse eight, says henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So before we get into any principles or any ways of looking at this practically, we have to start right here. Do you love his appearing? Do you love his appearing? We cannot live for Jesus if we do not know Jesus. We need to know him. Is he the love of your life? I'm not saying that you do that perfectly or that, you know, consistently even sometimes, you know, we, we struggle with that. We all wrestle with that. But is he really the love of your life? And I would say the question to ask is, is he worth it to you? Is he worth sacrificing for? Is he worth fighting for? The answer should be yes, if you know him, if you love his appearing. There is a reward of righteousness that awaits those who belong to him, but it begins with this love for him, this love that he has appeared, that Jesus Christ has come into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, took on our punishment, and then rose again. We need to love his appearing and all that that entails. It's a thankfulness that Jesus Christ came into this world to pay the penalty for sin, and that means that your sins have been paid for. If you don't start here, you're not going to have the strength to finish the race. You're not going to come to the end having fought the good fight, having finished the race, having kept the faith, you need to love his appearing. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. This is first and foremost. It goes maybe without saying, but it's like I like saying it. Nonetheless, it's a good thing to remind ourselves of. It begins there with that relationship we have with Christ through our love of his appearing. So now here are a few principles for fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight and how to stay the course as you head into this new year. Number one. Focus your attention upward. Focus your attention upward. 1 John 2.16 reminds us of everything, everything in this world that tends to want to draw our attention away from the Lord. It says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but from, but is from the world. Now, I'm not saying that we need to like you know, go and live in a cave Okay, unless you really want to. But we do need to get rid of some of the distractions that we have in our life. You're probably already thinking, mm-hmm, yeah, I've got a few of those. We need to get rid of all the distractions and the idols that we've created for ourselves. There are idols in your life, there are things in your life. There are some, there are, actually, I would say there are so many things that we desire that in themselves aren't necessarily bad things, maybe, but they're things that we desire that are of this world, that can easily move into the primary position in our hearts that belongs to God alone. The things that fuel our desires, the things that fuel our desires are going to be what motivate our actions. The things that fuel our desires are going to be what motivate our actions. What we do is going to be a lot connected with why we're doing it and what we really desire behind it. So keeping this short and practical, every moment matters. Every moment matters. Everything we do is motivated by something. Everything we do is going to be motivated by something. For example, we eat because we need to eat we, to survive, right? We need nourishment and it's a good thing to eat and it's something that I can do with Thanksgiving. I can enjoy food in a good way in a gloriful, glorifying of God sort of way but I can also sometimes maybe eat maybe a whole bag of candy by myself uh, and that's not necessarily enjoying it in a good way. It's more of a gluttonous appetite for sweets. What's motivating my action? I don't eat, you don't eat a whole bag of candy because you're hungry, And you need nourishment. There's not much nourishment in that. We want to do all things. We want to do everything to the glory of God, right? We want to do all things to the glory of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you just need to do things that you would typically maybe associate with that. I just need to either be in church, you know, feeding the homeless, reading my Bible or on my knees or asleep. Otherwise, I'm not living for God. It's not like that. You can eat gummies. You can watch a movie, but be aware of your motivation. Be aware of your motivation. Here's something you can consider: Is this something you can watch to the glory of God, or is it maybe something that's more the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, which can also be connected with? Well, everyone else is watching it, and I don't want to be like out of the loop in the conversation. Or what you know, the latest movie that everyone's watching, or whatever it might be but in your heart you're like, ooh, this is is a little bit questionable for me to be watching. Get in the habit of questioning your motivation. Question your motivation. Why am I doing this? What's the purpose in this? And if there is no possible way for you to do it to the glory of God, maybe don't do it. Maybe don't do it. The Bible says we should do all things to the glory of God. It wouldn't say that if it wasn't possible we can do all things to the glory of god and i know that we all know things in our life that mm, i don't know i don't know if i can do that to the glory of god or i would say even if you you know you really need to kind of stretch out a justification in order to make it maybe kind of you know i'm i'm like i'm educating myself on what the sinners are doing so that way you know i'll uh, i'll have an inside view If you're going down that road, maybe you've gone too far. Avoid those things. Ask yourself, why am I why am I watching this? Why am I eating this whole bag of gummies by myself? Why am I sitting and just wasting my time watching YouTube or scrolling through Instagram? Or why am I going out and drinking with these guys all the time when I don't really want to I don't want to be getting drunk like this? Why am I doing this? Ask yourself. And this goes for all things that you spend your time on, your money on, your energy energy on. Let yourself be poured out by God and his calling on your life. He has a calling on your life. He has something that he wants you to be doing, you to be working on. And every moment, you are either stepping more into what God has for you, or you're living that moment for yourself. And it really does break down like that. And what you choose to watch, what you choose to listen to, who you choose to spend time with. These things matter. The goal is to surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the will of God so that what you desire, going back to that that desire, what you desire is what God desires, what God desires for you then you can truly live every moment to the glory of God no matter what you're doing no matter what you're doing and again i'm not saying that's you know you need to live in a cave you can still watch movies you can still do these things but if you're asking yourself beforehand man can i do this to the glory of god and the answer is no sometimes it will be yes surrender yourself to the will of god and you might say well it's hard it's hard to navigate. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I, I have to like, question everything, and it does get easier if you're at that point. I, I can say it does get easier as we begin to surrender our will to, or surrender ourselves to God's will. It becomes easier, and we can navigate. Oh, this! There are certain things I just know I need to avoid in my life because they're dangerous for me and they could lead me into sin. And so I would say, if you say, "Well, it's hard. It's hard to navigate," I would say, "Yeah." Paul doesn't say. I have napped the good nap. He says, I have fought the good fight. It's a fight. It's not laying around in a hammock and just, you know, sipping on margaritas or whatever. It's a fight. That's how he describes it. And he's looking back at his whole life. It's a fight. But it's a fight worth fighting. It's a fight worth fighting. Oh, how good it would be when you get to the end of your days and can look back and say yeah you know what I fought the good fight I didn't just give in I fought the good fight let your heart be motivated by your surrender to your Savior and let every action every moment every motivation be defined by a desire to glorify God and see how it changes what you spend your time on so that's number one number two Number two is when we get into, I think, the more dangerous areas. And I would say the second thing you have to be cautious of is actively rooting out sin. Actively rooting out sin. Fighting against sin in your life. So I'm not just talking now about, you know, I'm watching a movie. Is this, is this good? Is this bad? Am I glorifying God? I'm talking about the things that you know. This is sin, and I'm struggling with this. We need to fight it out. We need to root it out. Hebrews 12 Hebrews 12, verse 3 through 6, and I'll break this down a little bit, starting in verse 3. It says, consider him who endured from sinners, he's talking about Jesus, so consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What is he saying there? Remember what Jesus did. Remember what Jesus did, what he endured at the hands of sinners when he took on your sin on the cross so that you and I can have strength, not grow faint-hearted, not, be, not grow weak, but have strength in our struggle against sin. Remember what he did, what he endured for you to have that freedom. And we have freedom through the redemptive work of Christ. And so we can look to the cross We can look to the cross and be reminded of what it cost and what was purchased. We can be reminded of what it cost and what was purchased, your freedom from sin. In verse 4, this is powerful, if your struggle, sorry, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you resisted to the point of shedding blood? I want to be clear, he's not, and I know sometimes this has been interpreted this way, and and I want to be clear, he's not talking about uh, like, you know, penance or like, you know, whipping yourself on the back. No more Netflix, no more Netflix or whatever it is. You know, a whip for every time you just let it go to the next episode. Those laughters were revealing. He's not talking about that. What is he talking about? He's talking about an understanding of something. It's understanding that there is one who has already paid that penalty, who's already took the lashes, who's already paid the penance for every sin that you will commit. Do you grasp that? Do you understand that? Is that a reality for you? Because through this understanding, we respond with love for Christ. And what does it look like to love Jesus? Does anyone, anyone know the answer to that? Obey, that's the word I was looking for. I'll allow it, half point. Obedience. If you love me, obey my commands. So we understand what he did, we understand what he took on himself, and then we respond with love, which is obedience to Christ. And so the result is this ferocity, this fierceness to fight, to remove sin from our life to remove all sin from our life. And that fight against sin didn't just end at the cross, right? That's where the the penalty for sin was paid, which is why we have that promise at the end, into eternity. But we are being purified by our Father. Let's continue with the the text in Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6. And have you forgotten... Have you, sorry, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And now he's quoting the Old Testament. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. Here's my calling to you, children of God. Children of God, here today, you are a child of a loving father. And he wants to see you flourish. He wants to see you full. And he wants to see you living righteously. Not weighed down, not a slave to sin, but free. And so he disciplines us. The Lord disciplines you. Let him discipline you. Let him guide you. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Ask him to work in you. As David prayed, search my heart, O oh God. Show me the the parts of me that need to be changed. Show me the, the parts where I'm falling into sin. Show me the way out. Let him work in you because he disciplines those whom he loves and he loves you. It's not fun to be disciplined, but let me encourage you with this. Discipline leads to repentance. Discipline leads to repentance. When you feel a weight in your heart and you go, God, I'm sorry for this. I I don't want this sin in my life anymore. And you begin to fight that sin. That is the Lord's discipline. It's gonna look different in different times in our life and depending on how far down the sinful road we go, but it leads always to repentance. The devil, the devil will attack you with condemnation and shame. And so I encourage you to know the difference, to know the difference where you feel small and you just feel worthless and that you can't even come to God, that's not the Lord. The Lord is saying, I'm always here. I'm disciplining you because I love you. Let it lead to repentance. So the fight against sin is a daily one. It's one we do every day. Every day we take up our cross and follow Christ because he endured the penalty for sin so that we may live in the freedom we have in him from sin. We are free from condemnation, free from guilt and shame. So don't let sin have a foothold in your life. Even though we all sin and fall short, be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. And do what you need to fight sin in your life. Have you fought to the point of shedding your blood? Have you fought to the point of shedding your blood? So many times, and I, I mean, I've I've been there, where, you know, you, oh, i have just, i have struggling with this, and I just, I can't seem to get out of it. And I go again and again. It's like, man, have you, Are you really fighting it? Ultimately, we sin because we love sin. We need to hate it. And I would say, if you're struggling with that, do what it takes to fight it. And that might be getting help. It might be talking to a brother or a sister and saying, hey, I can't seem to be defeating this. I need you to to come alongside me and help me with this. Because you are not a slave to sin if you are in Christ. You have freedom. Fight it. Do what it takes to root sin out. So that's number two. Number three, number three is discipline. Learning to have discipline in our lives. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. i tell you, that's one that is hard for a preacher to read. You gotta keep that one in mind. Now Paul really likes this analogy of Runners and fighters and athletes. And if you've ever been in a position in your life uh, where you've done like, physical training for anything, maybe just to get in shape, or and you had like maybe a specific goal in mind, or uh, running a marathon or a boxing match, or whatever it might be where you were training uh, regularly for, uh, depending on what you're training for will determine your training. And the last thing an athlete wants to do is to have wasted training, right? To spend hours training in a technique that they're not really going to need in order to achieve their goal. And so for that, we need to know what our goal is. And we need to determine what the right training is. And I would encourage you not to be a shadow boxer, right? I don't run aimlessly. I do not just box as one beating the air. Now maybe you know what you're fighting for, But do you know what you're fighting against? You have an enemy. Are you fighting your enemy or are you fighting the wrong things? Or maybe just beating the air around you? Ephesians 6.12 reminds us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Right, We're not fighting each other. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, or sorry, heavenly blazes. Remember that you have an enemy who wants to see you fail. He wants to see you fail. And I would would say this. I believe that if you're a Christian today, the devil's not trying to get you to lose your salvation. That's secure in Jesus Christ. He says, of those the Father gives me, I will lose none. Our salvation is secure in Christ. But the devil would love to see you wasting your time. He would love to see you spending time on the wrong things, wasting your energy on useless tasks. That's a victory for him. Having you wasting your time fighting other people, fighting other believers, getting into weird debates over things that don't really matter when it comes to our salvation and eternity and the mission that we have been called to fight for. When we live undisciplined lives, the devil has us running in circles. Don't run aimlessly. Don't box the air. Train properly for the enemy that you will face. And are facing, and a great place to start is to have the right tools. Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen tells us what we need. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped. For every good work. You wanna fight the good fight, you wanna keep strong, you wanna stay the course, you wanna have something when the enemy comes at you, know the Word of God. The Word of God is a lamp to our feet that guides us. We need that guidance. Otherwise, we don't know where to go, otherwise, we're running aimlessly. But when we know the Word of God and we see it as a lamp to our feet, we don't run aimlessly, we run purposely with direction. The word of God is a sword in our hand that we can use to cut up the lies the devil tries to say about us when he tries to distract us, trying to get us to focus on the wrong things, wrestling with the wrong issues. I'm reminded of Jesus' parable of the seed that is thrown. and We don't want to be the seed that springs up quickly. Looks like everything's going well. Looks like they've got something transforming them from within, but then as soon as the sun hits it, as soon as something difficult comes, it just withers and dies because it has no roots. We need to have roots, and the only place to put in your roots is in a stream of living water, which we find in the Word of God. We need that root going in deep. So discipline yourself, be disciplined, spend time in the Word. It doesn't need to be like a, a ritual. It needs to be something that's geared for this desire. I'm an athlete, I'm training, and I wanna make sure that I'm trained properly and well. I wanna be able to reach the end having fought the good fight, so I need the word of God. That gives you a hunger for it. You see the purpose in it. So it's not like, well, I read my chapters today, but I have no idea what it said. I know the word of God because I need to know the word of God. Spend time in the word daily, being filled with the truth of God. So as you fill yourself with his truth, you will be better prepared to fight the good fight as the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. He will remind you of things that you read, of those things that you studied and meditated on, and the teaching of the Word of God in the times when you need it the most. In the times when you need it the most. But if you're not spending time in the Word, the Holy Spirit's not going to use like movie quotes to, you know, give you encouragement. He's going to use the Word of God. So know the Word of God. Training is not easy. It's certainly not always fun. I've often wondered what motivates one to get out of bed at five in the morning to go running. I'm not much of a runner, so that one I don't understand. Or what motivates one to spend hours in the gym training? What, what, what is that drive that keeps them going day after day after day? What's the goal that's set, that's set before them? All right? It's winning the prize. It's crossing the finish line first, and our goal is not for a peri- it's not a perishable one, but an imperishable. It's not just for winning a prize. It's not just for looking good when you flex in the in front of the mirror. It's not just for crossing that finish line first or at all. It's an imperishable reward, an eternal reward. This leads us to number four. I'll just be my last point. I think today. Look to Christ, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Look to Christ. Have your eyes set on him. If you want to endure to the end, we need to think from the perspective of the finish line. We need to think from the perspective of of the finish line. Where do we want to be when we get there? What are we aiming for? What is the prize? Only then can we pace ourselves with discipline, with the right heart, rooting out sin, avoiding distractions, setting ourselves day after day on the path that is set before us, before each and every one of us. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, I'll jump into the middle of one. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's a pace. Set yourself, run with endurance, keep going, don't give up on the race that is set before you. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The race is set before us. When Paul looked back at his life, he could see how he had glorified God, how he had been poured out like a drink offering. This was because he followed Christ, because he followed Christ. He endured to the end. He followed Christ in his example that's set for all of us as we are all being made into the image of Christ and we seek to live as he lived. And he followed Jesus' calling. That is the path set for Paul. Right? We're not all called to be imprisoned in Rome, right, thankfully. He followed the path that was set for Paul. And Jesus has a path set for you. Take up your cross. Not my cross, not the cross of the one sitting next to you, yours. And it's going to look different, which is why we shouldn't bog ourselves down with comparing ourselves to one another, he has a plan and a purpose That is, he is leading you on as you say yes to him, as you seek to glorify him every day. We don't need to make it into more than, well, who is God calling me? What is God calling me to do? And I, I don't know. We don't need to wrestle with that stuff. Just live every moment to the glory of God and you'll be on the path that you are on, which is the path that most glorifies God, that he has set for you to be on. You have a purpose where you are, in who you are. Run the race that is set before you, where your feet are landing. The race is set before us. You've been called, purchased by Jesus Christ, and you belong to him, and he has a plan that is set for you from where you are. Not where I am, where you are. In reality, when we, we can't really get far without him, right? But through him, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. Right? Philippians 4.13 Paul understood this truth. Paul understood this truth, and as he followed Christ, he knew where his strength came from. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. It's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Have you ever thought that? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Sometimes we spend so much time wrestling with who we want to be or who we think we should be or... Man, by the grace of God, you are who you are. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So he's saying, I took that grace that, of God making me who I am, and I worked at it. And I fought the fight. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Could spend a whole sermon on that, but let's just move forward. By God's grace, you are who you are. You are what you are, where you are. Not Apostle Paul. That's not who you are. That's who Paul was. But the unique individual person that God has made you into be with your giftings, your strengths and your weaknesses, with the, your position, your education, your background. By God's grace you are who you are, so don't let it be in vain. Don't let it be about you, but let yourself be poured out by God, by his grace and for his glory and see what God can do through you. See what God can do in your life, in the plan that is set, in the, in the race that is set before you. Jesus had joy before him as he headed to the cross The joy that was set before him as he went to the cross was the finished work of your salvation. Let your joy be the same. The finished work of your salvation. When you belong to him, you can trust you will reach the finish line. Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's gonna get you to the finish line, right? Right? That's good news, right? All right, a little bit, some of you. That's good news. I'm very thankful that God is gonna get me to the finish line. That's good news. And I want to, we wanna set our eyes on that prize. Jesus is there to embrace you at the finish line as we reach the end of our days. My question then is how will you let this truth affect your life today? How will you let this truth affect your life today? Will you just aim to coast through life, chilling in your hammock, waltz across the finish line lazily? Or will you, with the joy set before you and the strength of the Holy Spirit within you, run, run as one who wants to win the prize, fighting the good fight, giving your all, because you know in the end it isn't you who gives it, it's the grace of God anyway. And of course, we're not perfect, but we are striving forward. And I'll close with this from what Paul tells us in Philippians 3, 12 through 14 as an encouragement as we know we're not perfect yet. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. If Paul can say it, I think we can agree that none of us here are perfect either. But I press on. But I press on. Keep moving forward. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I strive forward because I belong to Christ. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. On toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What an image of what it looks like to move ever forward, pressing on. When our eyes are set on Jesus Christ, all things are worth enduring. It is worth it to push through, to maintain discipline in our life. Because the prize is eternity with the one whom we love and who first loved us. So it's a new year, it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. Start now, start today. Today, resolve in your heart to live by the truth that Jesus has made you his own, that you belong to him, that you have been purchased, forgetting what is behind. I don't care what you did last year, last week, last night. Forgetting what is behind, focus on what's ahead of you. Focus on what's ahead of you. Press on toward the goal, which is Jesus Christ, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let me invite the band to come up as I close in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your work in our hearts and in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would... Mold us and guide us and strengthen us as we look ahead that we would resolve in our hearts to live for you, to surrender to you today and every day for the rest of our days. Having that perspective that we want to reach the end, looking back and to have a confidence, to have a joy. Yes, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let these words resonate in our hearts this week in every moment and what we choose to do with our time, that we may glorify you in everything. In Jesus' name, amen.